This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here we go. Jake and Josh are here to analyze the game they love for the team they love. This is another Dolphins Podcast. Here's your host, Jake Mendel and Josh House. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of another Dolphins Podcast. For the last time of 2023, we are here to gear you up for Miami Dolphins football. Week 17 is quickly approaching. Joshua Houts, I'm going to say that again. Can you believe it? Week 17 has arrived. I I can't believe it. No, and hearing you say this is the last game for the year, I had to sit there and think about it. So I can't believe the season's already over. And it's just funny because now we're at the stage, right, where every week we're continuing to say, oh, this game is bigger than the previous game. And it does feel that way. So um, last one of the year. And this is probably the biggest one that we've done in a very, very long time. It's fun. It's so fun that we're able to come on here each week. And it feels like we're I I hate to use this. uh type of analogy here but it's like we're walking on those glass steps and we don't know which one's going to be completely hollow and we're just going to plummet to our death right we don't know what's going to happen next this is the squid games but before we get into this matchup before between the ravens and the dolphins i want to ask you sir any uh any new year's resolutions you got written down anything you want to attack come 2024 yeah i mean i guess grow this podcast right maybe become better at what we do and uh I got to stop drinking so much uh, IPAs and things like that. So that'd probably be number one. Maybe stop drinking as much and cut back a little bit there. What about you, Jake? I want to start ripping cigarettes. I think it's time. I think my voice is so whiny. You know, I, I think I could really use some refocusing in life. And think about it. If the Dolphins are miserable, I could get a pack of Newports. And, like, it already looks like a shirt. So I could get a Newport shirt and just start sporting Newport instead of the Miami Dolphins if everything goes to hell. So, I mean, it seems like a pretty... I, I got things figured out. Let's just say that. Yeah, and I mean, the throwbacks, they kind of look like a pack of Newport, right? A little bit. Got that little bit of a hue to it, I think. I think my parents used to smoke those back in the day. But do not smoke cigarettes. Don't drink. <laughs> don't do any of that stuff. Then you won't need to make these resolutions. But let's be honest, man. Part of the reason we started drinking, and I know you're joking about cigarettes, but it has to be because of the Miami Dolphins. We can blame them oh, for some of it, right? Oh, of course. Of course. And, uh, yeah, to, to kind of pull it back, though, a little more serious, um, 
whole year. Thanks, everyone, who's taking the time to listen, whether this is the one episode we got you for. We appreciate that if you've joined us the entire time. What a fun, fun ride it's been. But let's get into it, Joshua Houts. Let's talk about this Miami Dolphins offense versus a Baltimore defense. And I think the best way to start this conversation, man, Baltimore, just a week ago, played that Kyle Shanahan system, played that middle-of-the-field offense that wants to attack the linebackers. The Baltimore Ravens, led by Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith, said, you bet, nah, Brock Purdy threw four interceptions. So where's that queasy meter? This is the same type of offense. This is round two, and Baltimore this time is at home. God, that's a tough matchup. Yeah, it's a tough matchup, and I always felt like – um. I, I was thinking about this. I remember when the Dolphins made it from the Wildcat season. They made it to the, I believe it was the Wildcard round, and they got balanced right away, right by the Ravens. All my life, I felt like there was something about the Ravens that I, the Ravens, something about the Ravens that I just there was some, uh, you know, disdain there. And then they got Lamar Jackson. I started to like what they were doing. But um, this is a heavyweight matchup, man. We know what it means for both teams. Um, if the Ravens win, they clinch that number one seed. They can then. Um, you know, look forward to the playoffs and that nice little rest they'll get. And if the Dolphins win, they'll then take over, you know, that number one spot. And then it'll all come down to that matchup against Baltimore. So um, the queasy meter, Jake, I after last week's win against Dallas, I think it's a little bit I, I'm, I'm I'm not so queasy, but um, I do realize this Baltimore Ravens team is no freaking joke. And like you said, they put a beating down on a San Francisco 49ers team. A lot of people are already crowning. Right. I mean, they were already the favorites in the NFC going to the Super Bowl and the Ravens, for lack of a better word. Uh, beat the crap out of them. Yeah, and I think that's a, a really important important point here. I don't. I'm not worried about the Dolphins in the sense of they can't go out there and poop their big boy pants on national television. They clinch a spot in the playoffs. This can't be some sort of epic collapse. We had that great win last week, where I'm already not trying to hedge if the Dolphins are going to lose. But this this is a very tough matchup. Baltimore enters this game 12 and three. They have three wins on the West Coast. They've scored 30 points in eight of the last nine games. This has been an absolutely monstrous team from start to finish and what they did to San Francisco was absolutely bananas last week but the one thing I noticed is where San Francisco had opportunities was on the outside especially attacking outside the numbers uh downfield I look back to what the Dolphins were doing early last week I mean what was it Josh Miami's first play from scrimmage it could have been a 95 yard touchdown to Tyree Kill just dropped off his hands sometimes it's going to happen but on that same drive what two plays later you have a 48 yard reception to Jalen Waddle that actually just completely flips the field position on its head so I'm curious to see if that the Baltimore Ravens are going to approach this the same way they approach that game against uh the San Francisco 49ers where they it was kind of a weird situation. Brock Purdy, I think, according to Pro Football Focus, he only had two turnover-worthy plays. He did have four interceptions. There's a lot of tip balls. There's a lot of physicality in the secondary. And you could see that time and time again, Purdy wanted to go over the middle, and Baltimore was doing everything it could to uh, not let that happen. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of where I'm seeing this game be won and lost, right? I mean, you've seen it before, right? If you can disrupt them at the line, throw off a little bit of that time, this offense can – um, look beatable at times. So I'm intrigued to see the way that Baltimore Ravens defense who is one of the better ones in all of football. I think they're what first in sacks and maybe second in quarterback hits. I yep. think that's how I, if I have that right. So we know they're going to get pressure there. We know the secondary, like you said, is very good. And it starts with those two linebackers. I mean, Roquan Smith is a guy who I've um, been enamored by ever since he's been a draft prospect. We know Patrick Queen is uh, a different type of linebacker, right? These guys are bruisers. And um, I do want to throw out that quote that we heard earlier in the week. It was uh, Patrick Queen said, we play a brand of football people don't want to play. Everybody wants to be out there playing cute, playing basketball and grass, and we ain't with it. You can do all that stuff. You're just going to get hit in the mouth every play. And 
Um, I think we've all heard, you know, kind of believe Mike McDaniel spoke about that. You know, if we're, if we're not physical, how are we, um, you know, this good at running the football, right? You got to be physical to own the trenches, run the ball and do different things like that. So it's going to be an absolute battle, man. And I keep thinking back to that. Uh, what was it? They scored, was it four touchdowns in the fourth quarter that week two uh, win when they came back to a tongue by Lola at Dolphins offense, all those big time plays. I mean, the secondary is very good, but we've seen before with these playmakers that um, they were susta- uh, susceptible to those big plays. I think I said that word right. I think I did. Yeah. When you start watching this game, number zero, number six, those two linebackers right in the middle of the field, you got to keep your eyes on. And I don't want to make it sound too, too lazy here, but you can kind of, if you want to figure out how this game's going to be decided, you take a picture of the all 22 and you can just kind of draw a square around just like the center of the picture with the trenches. And then that second level at the linebackers. But Josh, we got to mention Kyle Hamilton. This dude's been an absolute monster, a sophomore safety. He's dealing a knee injury, but last year, last week, I should say, excuse me for Baltimore. I think it was what two interceptions, uh, a run stop, and then he allowed three receptions in coverage for a total of 12 yards. So, I mean, that has a real Javon Holland feel to it, that safety blanket in the secondary. I think the Dolphins are approaching this game as, you know, I think every team this late in the season does. You assume every team's going to have their best players out there. Kyle Hamilton is a real difference maker. Uh, I just am really concerned. How can Miami get things going if the middle of the field isn't there? Is this a team that will be too cute? Do they have that physicality to punch the ball up the middle and maybe just kind of settle with the, like we saw last week, the Durham Smythe getting five receptions for 45 yards just to kind of keep things shimmying down the field. I mean, I guess we're going to see, right, Jake? I mean, you're coming into this one against a Baltimore Ravens team that's sitting here talking about physicality. We see how important running the football is to what the Miami Dolphins do. Um, I believe they're, what, averaging five yards per carry, 136.4 yards per game. I think that might be second. I have it written down here, but only to Baltimore. So both these teams are very good at running the football. So I think you come out there, man. You try to establish that run. We see how important Raheem Mostert's been. We saw what Jeff Wilson did. I mean, that would kind of be an um, an appetizer, right, an hors d'oeuvre a little bit, getting him out there. I still think it's funny how we're all sitting here gushing over what he did, and you look at it, and it was, again, what, like 13 yards or something, but it was just so meaningful when he did it. So I'm thinking you come out and you establish it with Mostert, HN, and uh, Jeff Wilson, and you do try to get that ball, you know, pounding the rock, but um, we'll see the way this thing dictates, right? All it takes is Lamar going down there, scoring a touchdown, you know, get going up. Uh, I don't even want to talk into existence, but you know what I mean? If the Dolphins go down, we might see them completely throw everything out the window and then become more of a pass-happy team. But this is an absolute battle, man, and um, something's got to give, right? Baltimore is such a great team at adapting to its opponents. Uh, just to speak to that, they're seven and one on the road. You know, you think about being the home team, you're able to do things your way, uh, play to your strengths. Baltimore does such a good job of making you uncomfortable that I do feel that going to Baltimore, knowing how good that team is, that Miami rightfully shows should enter this game walking on eggshells. We saw San Francisco last week try to play its game. It's resulting in tip passes, a lot of variance where the opposing defense can really frustrate you. I think the Dolphins can play it safe here and really just try to grind out the clock play a quick football game. I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of the earliest games to finish on the day, just by how much these teams like to run the football. And I think, on top of that, both how each of these teams don't want to get gashed for monster plays, where you have a scenario, um, 
unfolding like you had last year, right? What'd you say? Four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, how bananas that game was. And I mean, you can go back even farther to that 20, what, 19 season where Baltimore probably had five touchdowns in the first quarter when Miami was an absolute dumpster fire when they started the rebuild. So I think both teams here are going to play it so, so safe and so, so careful. And yeah, I think Jeff Wilson does has a great big role in that. I think he can do a lot of little things to just kind of keep the sticks moving. And something else I'm curious about here, man, uh, Robert Hunt. Mike McDaniel went out of his way to say he isn't day-to-day, but he's about to be day-to-day. And and we really want him to be back out there. I think he's missed five of the last six games. He hasn't played since week 13 against Washington. What does adding an offensive lineman like him back into the mix do to this group? Especially when you consider, hey, even then they've still only allowed, what, one sack to this Dallas Cowboys. I mean, this offensive line has survived that. I mean, I should put that out there. Shout out Lester Cotton, Robert Hunt. Jones. And Butch Berry. I tried to make a funny joke yesterday, and people people didn't like it. So um, I'm sorry, Butch Berry. I respect everything that you do. But um, uh, back to the point, man, it would mean everything, right? If we get Robert Hump back for this game, I mean, I know that's not quite what you're trying to say. But, um, you know, it's the holiday season. It's crazy at the house's house with three kids running around. Daddy, open this present that I got. Daddy, do this, do that. You know, where's my uh, – a Barbie shoe or whatever that's this big. You got to find that. But um, so I missed him saying that. So, dude, I would that would absolutely change everything with that offensive line. So um, getting him out there would be, absolutely be a difference maker because I was going to ask you, Jake, how do you feel? Like we're talking about queasy meter. I do feel a little bit queasy about, you know, I, I like Toronto Armstead, Lester Conley, and Meikenberg's fine, Robert Jones, Kendall Lamb. But, they're, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Jadavian Clown, and we already mentioned how good those um, – uh, linebackers are. I'm not even going to try to Owe. I hopefully I spelled that right. I mean, or I said that right, but they have some ballers on that defensive side of the ball that are going to be a true test to what the Miami Dolphins offensive line can do. But I mean, as we've seen, like you mentioned, man, every test that they've been put up against, regardless of who's in that offensive line, they've been, you know, hitting straight up home runs. And it does have to do with, you know, them just doing enough, right? I mean, it's getting the ball out super fast. And that's why I think this game is going to be one and lost in the trenches, as cliche as that sounds. And then we'll see if uh, Miami can get those free releases or if Baltimore, you know, disrupts those receivers at the line, causing issues with the timing. Sorry, long-winded Brant. That's like our little... uh subtitle here long-winded rants I, I totally feel you on that one i thought it was really cool how the dolphins ran the football last week because when you went against the dallas cowboys you knew that hey james cook just had this bananas game right 200 200 total yards he was like seven yards per carry and it was simply just handing up the middle That that's really not what the dolphins did and, and i don't know if i wish they did because what they what they did is they'd fake it most of their runs would start off like they're bouncing it to the outside but then they just form this wall that allowed Mostert to kind of cut back inside and have these one-way gaps up through the a the b somewhere in there where you're like oh whoa what happened here this is a run up the middle but it didn't really evolve like that i'm really curious to see if that is something that can work against the baltimore ravens or if the dolphins just continue to try to simplify things maybe the ravens are at a point where they see tyree kill take a screen pass on third and three and take it 12 yards when he's double covered and they're really prepared for all these complex things that Dolphins are trying to do man I couldn't tell you the formations I saw against the San Francisco 49ers they'd have like three guys standing like hip to hip onto each other at the snap just to really try to confuse Brock Purdy I'm really interested to see if Miami goes real simple real basic with some runs up the middle some simple slants just because this Baltimore Ravens defense does such a good job of making so 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 many hard choices for quarterbacks that maybe to a decide McDaniel decides to take a little bit away from that and just kind of try to move the football as simply as possible. 
Yeah, and I want to ask you what your thoughts. I mean, it looks like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong again, I missed a lot of stuff this week, but it looks like they're going to be without Jalen Waddle. I mean, Ian Rapport said, you know, he might be out for the, the remainder of the season. So who do you see stepping up in his absence? I mean, people are going to joke, but Robbie Chosen was truly, you know, he was out there with some snaps in that last game before his head injury. I don't know if he's going to be ready for this one. So, I mean, is Braxton Barrios going to step up? Maybe we see Chase Claypool. Um, more, what do you think, Jake? I mean, someone needs to step up if Waddle's out, and this offense is, you know, it, it the offense does not look the same without Jalen Waddle out there. You know, news flash, breaking news, right? Shocker. Yeah, so last week was the third time this season Tyree Kill played 80% of snaps. And, I mean, it was great to see how healthy he looked out there. I, I guarantee you he's not 100%, but these are these superhuman athletes, and they're just amazing at what they do. Um, I'm really curious to see how they go about that. Robbie Chosen, I think he's actually heading in the right direction to get through protocol. If he can't go, Chase Claypool, man, is the name you instantly go to. But I think Cedric Wilson's actually done a really good job of being that wide receiver too. And I don't think we're giving enough uh, – credit to these wide receivers, especially the second year wide receivers in the system because of how hard it is to learn the system and understand what Mike McDaniel wants these wide receivers to accomplish. So I think we can't underestimate the ability to really lean into those guys in the second year of the system. So I lean said, Wilson, I also, I also think there's another opportunity to get maybe, I don't know, another seven, eight target game for someone like Devon Achan, where you can kind of maybe some safer throws. If, Tyree kills double, triple cover down the field. If they're trying to stretch the ball downfield, let HN catch something underneath and maybe he can escape a linebacker. What do you think? Yeah, man. I mean, I could absolutely see us being that Cedric Wilson game. I mean, you saw him, you know, getting valuable snaps last week. We see him being an intricate part of this offense and almost, you know, coming right in and filling in if Tyree Kill gets banged up, if Jalen Waddle goes down. So um, I don't know why I always overlook him. You know, I always think about those, I don't want to say, you know, those lesser guys in the depth chart, but I'm always talking about Robbie Chosen and kind of overlook a Cedric Wilson. So shame on me. This could absolutely be a Cedric Wilson game where he steps up and we see something there. And, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about this too. It's kind of a little versus Lamar Jackson matchup. Jake, how are you feeling about that? Do you think this truly has MVP like implications and let me just be the first one to say I know a lot of people are saying it but um let me be the first one to say I know a lot of people are saying it MVP doesn't matter right none of that stuff matters all we want is a playoff win none of none of those um accolades and things truly matter all we want are playoff wins but they are kind of cool they're definitely cool to talk about and it's an interesting topic of discussion when you can look at all these ever-changing MVP odds almost every single minute um I think there's a lot of different ways to take a lot of different arguments, uh, but I will say this much about the MVP race. The winner of this game, man, is going to have a front, like is going to be ahead of the entire pack. The number one seed in the conference. I think you see what's happening in the NFC. I mean, if you had to pick right now, would you give it? These two weeks are going to mean so breaking news, Joshua House. You need to play the games in order to decide who the MVP is. But as of right now, let me word it to you this way. Would you give it to a position player or a quarterback based on just what we know? I think, I mean, every week I change. If you're talking about the Dolphins, right? If you're talking about two or Tyree Kill, every week I change on who has a bigger impact. So um, I, I think it's a quarterback trophy. I think that's who they try to lean towards. But um, I could absolutely see the Tyree Kill win it. Let's take a quick break, and on the other side, we'll talk about a Baltimore offense that has scored 30 points in seven of the last nine games, so stay tuned. Joshua, I find myself thumbing through this Baltimore Ravens roster. I see how many points this team is putting up. You know, you have an MVP, a former MVP, a current MVP candidate in Lamar Jackson, but when I look through this group, 
Am I overlooking them or should we have zero concern over the likes of the Gus Edwards and Justice Hills? Because that's when we're looking at this Baltimore offense and how this Miami Dolphins defense can kind of maybe play it safe a little bit. I look at Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, man. I cannot figure out how this offense averages not only so many yards on the ground, but is so consistent with these guys averaging less than 3.5 yards per carry. Lamar Jackson is awesome, but man, like, Looking at this matchup, Baltimore needs to find something from their running backs, and I, I, I love this matchup for Miami. I'm with you because, I mean, for years, or at least the, the last few years, right, we needed that run defense to really step up, and they have this year. I mean, you mentioned uh, they've holding teams to 3.5 yards per carry. Um, I believe the Ravens are averaging 4.9 yards per carry. I think they're second right behind the Miami Dolphins. So, again, these are two very good rush teams. But it, for, the, for the Ravens, it really does come down to Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, as cliche as it sounds, containing him, whether it's in the run game, whether it's in the passing game, I mean, he's the guy that we got to take out of this. So, absolutely not. Gus Edwards does not scare me. Justice Hill does not scare me. But, um, you know, maybe they'll win you one, one of your fantasy championships if you're lucky enough to still be alive. But um, it's going to come down to Lamar Jackson, whether it's in the air, on the ground, you know, he's always in control, right? And you see the way this Dolphins defensive line dictates this game because we've seen it over the last few weeks, right? We've seen Bradley Chubb take over games. We've seen Andrew Van Ginkle take over games. We've seen Zach Steeler, Christian Wilkins take over games. And we've seen those linebackers play well. They're going to have to play um, their best football and smart football because um, you keep talking about the 49ers. That's an elite defense. And it honestly looked at times like Lamar Jackson was running in slow motion, like running on clouds, having the time of his life in the backyard with his friends. And um, we've seen the Dolphins at times, you know, give up chunk plays to especially quarterbacks, although I think they're um, somewhere I have it tied for sixth in the NFL in uh, yards per carry by quarterbacks. So Lamar Jackson is the guy they got to stop and um, hell or high water. They're going to do it right. Yeah. Uh, the Dolphins actually are allowing opposing quarterbacks to average 3.5 yards per carry. So a nice catch on that one. Lamar Jackson averaged 6.4 yards per attempt last week. But I think the question really boils down to, I mean, if you want to take Gus Edwards, if you want to take Justice Hill out of the equation of what Baltimore wants to do, I think a lot of their success comes in the RPO game. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times I see those linebackers, especially in that San Francisco San Francisco game, start to just step up a little too early and you're overcommitting to a, a run by Gus Edwards and you're overcommitting to a run by Justice Hill, which that's what I thought when you look at a defense as good as San Francisco, but then they were also without Eric Armstead, who I think is a very good interior defender in the trenches. And when I see Zach Sealer and I see Christian Wilkins, if I'm the Fangio, man, I'm telling my linebackers to let them do everything. If Gus Edwards gets a couple 12-yard carries and resets the markers, I think I'm letting that go just to kind of keep things safe on the boundary, to keep Lamar Jackson in the pocket. If you want to see some really weird Ravens games and they include the Miami Dolphins. Look at the last two games between these two units. There were times where Lamar Jackson looked like a world beater, especially in that game where Miami came back to win it at the end. I mean, in order to be in order to score four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, you need to be trailing by four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, but then you take it a step further back too, and that game on, on, on prime time, I think the Dolphins won it like God, 20 to and something really, I, I should have looked this up. I'm sorry, but Lamar Jackson came out after the game and just kind of spoke about how that offense at the time was broken. So I'm really curious to see if Christian Wilkins and Zach Sealer can be those guys to really limit what's happening at the line to kind of keep things inside the field of play and keep the Dolphins ahead of the chains. Yeah, man, it was 22 to 10. So I did have that written down. And that I do think was a Brian Flores masterclass. I think too, it came in at like, halftime or something and went out there and threw for 156 oh, yards. I think he even had a rushing touchdown I'd written down. 
Yeah, something like that. So, I mean, um, it's funny because people are saying that two is two and oh, and that people shouldn't jinx it. But um, how long do we go? And we're still saying it about two with New England being undefeated in the Jets. So, hell, let's just sit, speak that into existence, right? Two, it cannot lose to the Ravens. But you mentioned that, man. Lamar is just a different breed. He's getting better each year at passing. Honestly, one of my favorite players in all of football. Um, we do have to look at some of his skill players, though, right? He does have Odell Beckham Jr., who is having a little bit of a resurgence here, but it's Zay Flowers, who I think is really the guy he targets. I think I've written down 13 targets last week, nine catches, 72 yards versus San Francisco. And that, again, is a guy that plays in the slot primarily. So we saw it last week with C.D. Lamb. Uh, Jalen Ramsey's not going to be on Zay Flowers, right? He'll probably be on one side. Like we continue to see, Xavier Howard might move around a little bit, but it'll be Cater Kohu, Deshaun Elliott likely for a guy like Zay Flowers who has all the speed in the world. So containing him is going to be huge for this. And like you mentioned, man, just staying home and being honest in those RPO games because um, Lamar Jackson, as we've seen, I think – well, no, I'm thinking of Justin Fields that ran like a 90-yarder against us. But we've seen uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, make teams look silly before. So, okay, yeah, I, I was I, – I get it mixed up. But either way, the Dolphins, like we said, man, have always struggled against these guys. So, be honest. Let those guys come around the edge. AVG, Bradley Chubb, force Lamar Jackson to be contained and step up to, you know, Zach Sealer and uh, Christian Wilkins, man. It's just going to be a battle, right? These are two of the best teams in the AFC, one and two right now. And it just, like we said at the beginning of this pod, man, it feels good to be in this situation. How do you see Miami's pass rush uh, affecting this one, Jake? Do you see this being another one where Bradley Chubb's all over the field, you know, running around relentlessly, AVG, things like that? Do you think they can still make that impact because uh, the Ravens do have a pretty solid offensive line? They do. And you really can't over-pursue against Lamar Jackson, right? Because that's how you turn it into a 90-yard reception. That's a, or a run, I should say, the other direction. I'm really curious because I do wonder if this is some sort of domino effect. I go back to the Jets game and people have been asking for it all year. I do wonder, is this a question? Is this a game where you say, Hey, what does Baltimore do? What do they like to use the most RPOs? They also like to attack the middle of the field. My God, man, Zay flowers, 13 targets last week. Isaiah likely four, justice Hill, three Rashad Bateman, four Nelson Aguilar, four. Are we going to waste Jalen Ramsey this week on, on four targets? I'm curious to see if maybe this is another scenario, a huge game. Is this where Vic decides to switch it up? Is this where he pulls it out of his sleeve, where you have someone like Jalen Ramsey track someone like Zay Flowers? Because when you're playing the Ravens, right, you got to stop two plays. You have to stop the initial play, and then you got to stop whatever the hell Lamar Jackson's going to do once that play ends. And that type of uh, craftsmanship, he's very shifty. His ability to get to Zay Flowers has been absolutely awesome. But this is also a quarterback who started the day over three. There were different times throughout that San Francisco game where I saw him miss consecutive throws at a time. I do wonder, man, if disrupting the chemistry of someone like Zay Flowers can completely take him at a rhythm and force Rashad Bateman, who had one reception on four targets for 14 yards, to really be a guy. You want to throw it to Justice Hill four times? Cool. We have Andrew Van Ginkle, who just returned a screen for a touchdown. You want to attack over the middle? I think that'd be where Lamar Jackson would then go. Miami's defense, they allow the 10th most receptions to tight ends, so Isaiah likely might be a good DFS-type guy. But, man, I think this might be Zay Flowers versus Jalen Ramsey. I think I've been very conservative about the shadowing. I think this should be a week for it. That's music to my ears because I thought you were sick and tired of being sick and tired hearing all that crap talking about, you know, just dumbing Crazy, things down. Man. So I'm I'm all for that, man. You use Jalen Ramsey in a way like that. I mean, I keep thinking about it, man, and I know it's early. We're doing this on a Thursday. We'll release it um, Friday morning for your weekend, but we don't know what's going to happen with Javon Holland, right? How important is he to a game like 
this, right? I mean, these are those, um, again, a one and two seed, a play, a huge playoff type matchup. You said that to be in this pod. You should play your best players if they can almost go, right? So I pray we see Javon Holland out here because, you know, he'd be a huge difference maker in there, maybe in the middle with Isaiah Likely, although um, the Dolphins have been defending the, the tight ends a little bit better there, using David Long and some of those other um, pieces that they have. So, um, again, man, a hell of a matchup, and it's just going to be interesting to see if the Dolphins can find a way to do more that of that what we saw in that primetime matchup, like you said, because, again, I do recall that being a defensive matchup, and I think it was on Hard Knocks, which I think we're going to talk about at one point. Um, uh, the coach said at one time, you know, you're two of the highest-scoring teams or whatever, so it's going to take one of your the defense to make a play, and that's going to be, again, what it's going to be in this one, right? We can sit here and gush about Tua versus Lamar Jackson, how good are these two guys are, you know, their stats and things like that, but it's going to come down to which defense makes a big-time play in this big-time matchup. So um, getting goosebumps, man, getting goosies. Would you consider this like a lever-pulling game? Like, I, I saw that Jets game as like an important lever-pulling game, right? You're dealing with a lot of injuries. All right, we're going to use Ramsey in the shadow role. Would you use this as another scenario where the Dolphins might have, you know, three, four bullets in the chamber that they're waiting for, like, real definitive points of the season? Do you see this Baltimore game as that opportunity? I mean, God, it's so hard to be a fan because instantly you say, yes, like, we can win the, the, we can win the, the entire AFC if we win the next two. Or are you holding those? All right, we might need to stop Buffalo next week. All right, week one of the playoffs, let's have something ready. Or do you see this Baltimore game as an opportunity where if you pull a lever, it could kind of have an effect where it's impactful for weeks to come? Yeah, man, I think that's where we're at, right? I think that's where you're at in this matchup. I mean, I keep saying one and two C because it sounds cute, but I mean, you can win this game. You can beat the Baltimore Ravens, really make a statement, and then you can go against the Buffalo Bills at home, potentially locking up home field advantage where you've seen how good this team has been. So think you pull that lever jake i think you haven't seen this team in this spot in how long i think it's been 33 years since the dolphins have been in this spot or something ridiculous like that um maybe 2008 since they've last won 11 games um so yeah man i think you pull that lever maybe not empty the chamber right you got what five in the chamber maybe only use two of those maybe we use two against buffalo and then we reload the chamber man and get you know uh, then another backup uh I, I'm out of here, man. I'm, I lost it right there. But you know what I mean? Get another one, a whole nother chamber, I guess, and more ammo for brand new playoffs gun. when you're going to go out there and hopefully do the same. Um, yeah, brand new gun. There we go, man. So you know what I'm saying? Yes, pull the lever. Try to get that home field advantage because the Dolphins would be deadly and you would get that bye week, which is ever so important this late in the season, as we see with all of our injuries. All right, man. We can't end the week without giving some game predictions. So first and foremost, how are you feeling? Do you feel this is a game that the Miami Dolphins are going to go in there and they're going to have a puncher's chance? Or is this going to be one of those, oh, no, they can't beat a good team? I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I was a little bit hesitant last week to just, you know, trust fall and feel like we were truly going to win. And I think I still feel that same old Dolphins effect in me. So um, deep down inside, I'm a little bit scared. I feel like this is a game where um, it sounds so cowardish, right? But if the Dolphins lose this game, you're still feeling pretty good if you can beat the Bills, win the East, and – um, hopefully not play the Bills again. Hopefully they don't sneak into the playoffs somehow. So um, I do think, man, we got to pull this lever. So um, I think, you know, this is a Homer podcast. That's how we talk around here. I respect everything the Ravens do. Lamar Jackson, again, is one of my favorite players. But there's no way in hell, man, I'm going to sit here and uh, pick against the Dolphins, especially with how important this is after just beating the Dallas Cowboys. I do think that Tennessee loss really in ignited these guys and got them playing. Um, inspired football again and realizing that you can't slack up against any of these guys. So um, it's going to be a battle. We're going to war. I'm going to say, damn, dude, I'm always really bad with these predictions, I think. 30-27.
Jason Sanders has been. We saw him counting. We'll go with another game winner or some, so 30-27, but it's probably going to be a lot lower, uh, a little less scoring than that. What about you, Jake? Let's hear it. Set us up, baby. God, I, I keep looking at the, the Ravens scoring 30 points in seven of the last nine games, and, and I do got to give them credit. I think that's something that they're going to do again. Um, something we didn't talk about is there's some uh, salty Vic Vangio clips going around about when he was head coach of the Denver Broncos, and Baltimore, I guess they had a streak. I think it was 40-something games of over 100 rushing yards in each, and it was the end of a game. Results were over. You could just kneel to end the game, and uh, the Ravens were still running the football to get that mark. So so Vangio made a point to mention that after the game to uh, defend his guys. I wonder if there is going to be a little saltiness here. Last time we spoke about a team being salty, it, it included uh, Vic Vangio's former team being the Denver Broncos, Mike McDaniel, and then the Dolphins went up and scored 70 points. So, man, this Dolphins team is four and three on the road. I'm so looking forward to see what they look like when, let's face it, last Sunday, you're at home. You haven't beaten a good team. There was no excuses for the Dolphins to lose last week. Like it wasn't a game, like a season defining game, but there would have been so many feet, so much fear, doubt, and, and concerns about where this team's going. I'm so interested to see you have a Baltimore team that absolutely dominated this Kyle Shanahan type, you know, offense. They had five turnovers. Four interceptions for Purdy, one more for Darnold. Can Mike McDaniel, are these 3 a.m. film sessions really going to work? We have Raheem Mostert. Coaches have already come out and said he's going to play. I'm feeling pretty confident Javon Howell's going to come back. I think this is going to be a really awkward game. I think Scorigami is a real possibility. But I like Miami's chances to kind of just keep it close and let the fourth quarter decide the game. And I'll tell you this, man. Go look up what Justin Tucker... And this is something I never thought I'd say in a million years. In a bajillion, bajillion years. Go look at how Justin Tucker has been from over 50 yards. And Jason Sanders last week going three for three from above 50, going five for five for the first time since 2020. I think this team has so many guys in the right position to show that they're ready for the playoffs. And, you know, you sprinkle in Kyle Hamilton's dealing with injury, maybe the best player on that Baltimore defense. Baltimore on a short week. I'm going to find every excuse I can in my power to say that the Dolphins are going to win this game like 26 to like 11. Who knows? Let's get weird. Love it, dude. I, I really hope it happens. I mean, at that point, we have, what, 12 wins? Could you imagine first place? Um, and then we're headed to um, back home to play the Buffalo Bills, who um, they, they got to they start falling apart sooner than later, right? Those wheels got to fall off again. We need another report to come out. Dude, the thing with the Bills, it's important to keep in mind, like they lost to the they've lost to some really bad teams. Jets, Broncos, Patriots. Josh Allen's gonna shoot his own eye out with that gun. He is Ralphie from a Christmas story. And it can go one of two ways, right? He could have that action. I think it was actually SB Nation who made that um original comparison. So, so good on them. It was it was a really fun story. They went and compared every uh, quarterback to Christmas characters. I won't I won't tell you to because it's just gonna make you upset. But what I will say is that Bills team, man, I could still, would you not be surprised at all to see them lose to the Patriots like 13 to three and you just have like Josh Allen shocked on the sideline? I'm not saying that's going to happen. I think the Bills are going to win that game, but I mean, their inconsistencies are just that inconsistencies. Yeah, I could see it happen. And now that you've spoken into existence, I hope it happens. And was that the SB Nation one where two, uh, they compared to it to Rudolph or was that a different one? Yep. No, it was Rudolph leading the pack okay. and he gets way too much yeah, credit for everyone else credit. doing the work. Gets all the credit for everybody else's work. Yeah, I was. I just try to ignore that one. Dude, I couldn't believe it when I saw that Justin Tucker is one of five on 50-yard field goals this season. 
That's absolutely mind blowing. This is probably like people debate the goat for Tom Brady, whoever it may be. Like, there's no debate when they say the kicker goat. It's it's always been Justin Tucker. I think that's been the one like everyone's agreed the goat. So I mean, like, if you're looking for like gimmicky ways Miami can win this game, like give me a missed field goal, give me a mix missed extra point, right? Like little things like that. Why not? Yeah, while you were talking earlier, I was gonna say that we might see a fake pun or something, right? I mean, run it up the middle, maybe Ingold's out there, and you know, is a fake right punt a bullet or a gun? Probably a, a, a bullet, it's just a bullet. I'd agree with you there. We should I, get I, it though, right? A first automatic first. I, I can see it, I, I foresee it. Another thing, too, and like again, Baltimore's an awesome team, but I mean, San Francisco did a lot of things just to kind of shoot themselves in the foot time and time again. They had five interceptions, Josh. Do you know how many times San Francisco was penalized? 10 for that. over 100 yards. That's like a that's like a whole performance from Tyreek Hill right there. Like that that's insane. Like San Francisco played such a I I waited to the end to say this stuff because I didn't want to come out and say like like you know San Francisco lost that game. Baltimore's not, Baltimore's an awesome team. They deserve to be like a top two seed in the AFC. I'd love to see the Dolphins as number one. But man, like you go go watch that San Fran game if you have time uh, before Sunday and you want to make some clips about hey maybe the Dolphins can do things. Ten penalties for a hundred yards, five interceptions. God, man, like, this was a game that was still 16-12 to 12 at halftime. The Baltimore Ravens scored 17 points in the third quarter to pull that away. I, I think there's a way that if you're not, you know, just panicking, if you're not so nervous that you're just ripping off the road with the, in the car, like, I think you have a legitimate shot just to kind of keep things close. Maybe even bring it down to a Justin Tucker versus Jason Sanders fight. How crazy is that sounding? I mean, I'm with it. Before, if you would have said that a couple of weeks ago, I'd have been scared to death of that. But after last week, yeah, man, let's do it. The, the battle of the kickers. Let's do this thing, man. And that, that's another thing. Were you, I was so surprised to kind of go through Jason Sanders' stats and be like, he's actually had a great, great year because you go back to week one even. Like, he missed that extra point against the Chargers, and you thought that'd be the reason Herbert marches down the field and kicks a field goal. God, imagine the ripple effects that could have had on the entire season if the Chargers win that opening week. Yeah, shout out to the special teams player of the week, right? We didn't say that yet. So, I mean, yeah, man, let's do this battle. J Tucker versus uh, Jason Sanders, but then Sanders might be asking for money, more money after that one. Oh, nah. He, he already he already took a pay cut. I think he's still under contract. Yeah, no, he's 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 been a very well-paid kicker. I don't think he's got any complaints. Now he's get the love coming back. I It's a good time to be Jason Sanders. Very good time. But that is it. That is all the time we have today on another Dolphins podcast. Tuesday, maybe Tuesday, you'll see a recap show from us. It's been a very weird week with the holidays, with the new year. But that is it. That is the last time you'll hear our voice until next year. Thank you so much for listening to another Dolphins podcast. We will talk to you next year. I did the joke twice. Until then, fins up. Fins up. Fins up.